a welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 242 are open. Today on the show, Fire Emblem Engage apparently finished production in 2021. Nintendogs might be coming to mobile, and I share some ideas of how to tackle your backlog. Hope you're going well. I hope you've had a fantastic week. And I've had a good day so far. GoldenEye has officially come out on Nintendo Switch Online. And actually, Xbox Game Pass are part of the Rare Replay collection. So I'm looking forward to jumping into uh, that game because I actually haven't played through GoldenEye 64, mainly because my friends who I went over to their places to play the Nintendo 64, they never had the game. We always played Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Mario 64, you know, all the staples, but... That was one that uh, none of my friends had, and I wonder if it was because it was, you know, a little bit more violent <laughs> than a lot of uh, what you might expect on Nintendo 64, but I'm keen to get into it. It's a good excuse. It's in the in the zeitgeist, I guess. So getting to play through the campaign and do some multiplayer. My friend Josh from Nintendvania put the offer out there earlier today, but might be some might be some gaming sessions tonight for a GoldenEye 64. So I know a lot of you guys out there will be excited about it, a lot of nostalgia. It's a game I've been hoping uh, to come back to Nintendo platforms for a very, very long time. So here we are. It's finally here. Through all the legal ramifications and rabbit holes and whatever little warrens, <laughs> it eventually got there. So congratulations to that. So looking forward to getting into uh, some GoldenEye. Some housekeeping before we start. Uh, be sure to go over to youtube.com slash idruby and uh, leave a little subscription over there. I very much appreciate it. Over there, you can check out the House of Mario uh, House of Mario video version as well as some other videos that I get up there. And also, if you are watching this on youtube.com slash idruby, the House of Mario is on all good podcast services. Feel free to leave feedback through a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five-star reviews are very much appreciated. And of course, you can support us over at patreon.com slash idruby from, uh, yeah, <laughs> from, from where's a dollar can get you exclusive access to secret recordings and heaps good. And uh, episode seven of heaps good is actually live right now. And uh, it's actually free. So you can go over to Patreon and get the video version for free where Josh and I discuss um, the start of our fantasy critic league that we've combined with both of our Discord communities. So go and check that out. Um, we've all got some interesting picks. Uh, I've got four games in my picks at the moment, um, including Atelier Riser 3. So I'm very excited to see how I go this year. My very first time participating in a Fantasy Critic League. So fingers crossed. Let's see what I can get. We've got some more drafts to go in the year. So I'm waiting for a Nintendo, a Nintendo Direct or something else to pop up. So yeah, hopefully it'll go well. Got a, uh, an interesting Guru Geek out this week. This is where we pay tribute to my good friend, uh, Bobby Paul's Nintendo Guru. And this might be an interesting one. This might make him make him laugh. But uh, I tried something new this week, guys. I tried a pedicure. That's right. I'm a, I'm a full-grown man. And I went out a pedicure because, you know, my feet hurt me a little bit. Uh, you know, my job, I'm on my feet all day. And I get a big build-up on my on the bottom of my feet, you know, dead skin, all the gross stuff. So I said to Chantel, I'm like, you know, would this be a good idea? And she said, yeah, it'd be a good idea. I've got a friend who who specializes in that, got their own business. So, you know, so you go and support some local local businesses. And I went in there and uh, had a nice pedicure. And my idea was basically, you know, get your toenails in shape, get all the dead skin off, 
all of that. And I felt a little bit bad for the woman who was doing it, to be honest, because I, I even said to her, like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm probably, I expected most women would go in there and they wouldn't be, their feet wouldn't be as bad as mine. And uh, she actually, she actually said while she's doing it, getting like, you know, the dead skin and all that gross stuff off. She said to herself, <laughs> this is like the most I've ever got off anyone. I'm like, oh, good. I've beaten a record. <laughs> Congratulations to me. And uh, so it was really nice, actually. Got, you know, your skin your skin on your feet checked out. And uh, it was good. And um, in the cost, actually, uh, they included a uh, nail polish and nail colors and all that. So I took advantage of that. And now I've got some blue toenails to uh, coincide with my son's first birthday next week. So... Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> so I got some nice blue toenails, and I got to admit, like it's um, I'm not too fussed about having colourful toes. It doesn't bother me too much, but you know, it's quite nice. It's it's just a fun thing. I don't know how often I'll do it, but once a year, have a pedicure, get your feet in check, get them um, nice and good after a sh- busy uh, year shearing, and then yeah, get some nice nails on it. Start the year. Look at me. Look at me go. But um, I, I won't be telling too many people that, just to whoever's listening to this. But if you want a nice uh, feet picture, I'm, I'm prepared. I've got my toenails done. I've got <laughs> skin on my bottom of my feet checked out. Awesome stuff. So that's my guru geek out. I've had a nice pedicure this week. All right, let's get into the gaming, guys. So it's been a big week in gaming for me. I've really enjoyed playing multiple titles throughout the week. Um, but I guess starting off with something maybe a little bit more negative and a game that I've decided to not check out um, is Forspoken, which is a PlayStation 5 and PC exclusive. But I was really looking forward to this game in some ways. Um, but sort of checking out gameplay and listening to reviews and sort of understanding more about the game, I've decided to sort of you know put this game down the totem pole until it's on sale. A lot of the critiques were coming from the story, the dialogue, um, but just ultimately I didn't really want to play a, a kind of an aimless open world game where the combat isn't all that exciting. Um, but I am keen to check it out when the price is a little bit better. I don't want to check it out for a hundred bucks. Um, and I've got plenty more games that I'm a lot more excited to play, but for spoken, unfortunately I won't be checking that out <laughs> the week of launch. Um, because I've still got like dead space remake that's come out today. Looking forward to getting into that. Uh, a game dropped at the Xbox Bethesda Showcase or the Developers Showcase. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush looks awesome, just like a real vibrant, cartoony comic book art style, rhythm-based action gameplay. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> this looks awesome. I really want to check that out. I played about 20 minutes before my son said, Dad, that's enough. I need a nappy change. So um, I'm, I'm like just the bare minimum amount of played for that. Looking forward to get more into it. But throughout the week, I finished three games and I'm really sort of happy with myself in some ways. I hope I can keep uh, this tradition going. Maybe not three games, but two of them were very quick games. But uh, the most notable for me was Atelier Riser, Ever Darkness and The Secret Hideout. This is the second game that I've finished this year. And I talked about it a little bit last week, but it's been in my backlog for a long time and I really enjoyed my time with it. I don't know exactly how many hours I put into the game. Um, on PlayStation, it doesn't actually keep track of your hours. For some reason, when you go to your save file, it's got like the more generic save system on PlayStation. Where's on Switch, on your save file, it has like a 
a tally of how long you've put into it. So it's a little bit of a shame, but I assume it's about 25 to 30 hours I put into the game to finish it. And when I wrapped up credits, I was really happy with my adventure um, with Atelier Riser. It's just a really awesome JRPG that I've really enjoyed. And I knew that I would enjoy it, but why it fell into my backlog was because of the, I guess, the alchemy system, which is the crafting system. And this was... um, Atelier Riser is a, a game developed by Gust and uh, published by Koei Tecmo. And previously on PlayStation 3 and Vita, uh, the Atelier series was, I would say, a B or maybe C-tier JRPG series. Um, it had its fans, but Atelier Riser was the game that um, really brought the series up a notch, got a lot more people interested. And since this game in 2019, the series has progressed a long way. Um, even last year with Atelier Sophie 2, um, that game was fantastic and it had a lot of quality of life features that were even missing from this game that was released only a couple of years before. And when I was playing the game on Switch, I got lost because I needed to craft certain things. And how the game works is a lot of your items that you use in battle are crafted. So you don't find a lot of these. You can buy them for um, coal, which is the currency in the game. But ultimately, if you if you want to make good, if you want to progress in the game, you've got to make weapons, armor, um, healing items. You pretty much got to make everything. And while that sounds daunting at first, which it is, uh, it really does add a lot to the game. Um, you've got like a crafting system where it's like a spider web, and you're able to put in certain materials um, into into each slot and that can change its traits, its effects, its quality, you know, just all the, like the amount of HP it has or certain effects that it might have in battle, such as like being stronger against certain classes of enemies or leaving effects like burn, poison, etc., etc. So there's, for people that really want to min-max their loadout and gear, this is a, a game that's very much made for you. Um, but it wasn't until later in the game where I actually really wrapped my mind around what this system can do. And I went through a lot of the game just sort of not being that strong because you do you do level up like you do in a ch- typical RPG. You, you can grind and your stats go up, but it is very much based around uh, the amount of effort you put into your gear, your weapons, all of that. Um, but certain parts of the game, I asked you to craft a certain thing and I was only probably two hours into the game on Switch and I needed a certain ingredient for something I wanted to craft and I had no idea where it was. And I guess my um, my pigeon brain just went, all right, onto something else. <laughs> Even though I was really enjoying like, you know, just the opening hour of the game, it, I just got distracted. But with Atelier Riser 3 coming out at the end of March, I'm like, all right, I need to finish one and I need to finish two because I really do want to keep up to date with the series, um, but I just need to sort of push through some of these learning, um, these learnings that I need to need to learn as far as the crafting and that goes. And it wasn't until later in the game where I really wrapped my head around the materials because the crafting is some, a really big aspect of the game, whereas you get a recipe for a item or a weapon or whatever have you, but within them, you can actually unlock other recipes and it's actually becomes really addicting just going into certain recipes, seeing that you can unlock other recipes through that recipe, finding the right materials to do the spider web until you get to the portion where it becomes a new recipe. 
And once you craft, you get experience, you level up your alchemy level, which is separate to your adventure level, um, which is basically just like your battle level where you level up stats and that. Um, it becomes really addictive. It's just nice to sit down and sort of grind out that way, have brand new weapons and items to bring into battle. It's really, really awesome. And that's kind of my only gripe with the game was not being able to find particular materials. I was spending a lot of time on Google being like, all right, where do, where's this certain weed that I need? Where's this? Where's <laughs> like it, it become a, it become frustrating, especially at one portion of the game where I was missing certain things. I can't remember exactly where they were, but in more recent Atelier games, you, it actually does have all the items listed out on the overworld map where it says, look, you go to this area and this is the list of things you can find here, which is something I'm looking forward to in Atelier Riser 2, whereas I can, it would make it so much more simple being like, all right, I'm, I'm missing this. It's no big deal. You press the options button, you click on the overworld map. I want to go here because I can see that item is there instead of looking up some really large just table someone made on Google Docs. Um, but that was sort of the only thing that drew me back from the game. I loved the story. The story was really nice. It, it wasn't like a, a Final Fantasy story where there's an impending doom or even a, a Fire Emblem series where, oh, a Fire Emblem story, sorry, where it's just like, all right, you need to collect all the rings because <laughs> the Fell Dragon's going to kill us all. Um, it is very much just like a coming of age story. There's a group of four kids on this island remotely and they have lust for adventure. They all have their own sort of um, ways they grow throughout the story. And my favorite character would be the main character, Riser, who, you know, she, at, at first, everyone thinks she's just a troublemaker. She, she learns how to become an alchemist. And I related to this character a lot more than I thought going into the game, whereas she is the only child of a farmer on the island and her parents are always nagging at her. She needs to do her chores, do, you know, work on the farm, do this. But all she wants to do is run off with her friends, learn alchemy and go on adventure. And I'm not saying that I want to become an alchemist or that I want to run off or anything like that. But I, I related to that. And throughout the course of the story, when she is just like she's growing and people are gaining more respect for her. I, I really sort of, I really enjoyed it. I really sort of related to, you know, the adventure she went on and towards the end of the story where, you know, the character Lent, he's coming to terms with uh, his relationship with his father and he decides to head off and um, explore the world like, like his father did before him. You got Teo, who is uh, like the more nerdy character who wants to study, go off study at the capital. And all these characters, you know, they're, they're going on their own separate ways. And also related to that, coming from like a, you know, a small town where a lot of my friends, they, they've moved on to, uh, you know, bigger and better things. So, yeah, by the time the, the credits rolled, I'm like, wow, I, I really enjoyed just the gameplay mechanics of this game, the story. Um, it was just um, a really nice experience. So I cannot wait to jump into, into Atelier Riser 2. Um, really enjoyed it. Just um, one of my favorite games. Well, my favorite game I've played this year by far. I've only played a handful of games, mind you. But really, really do recommend this game if you're in the mood for a JRPG. And the third game in the series does come out on the 24th of March. So you've got time. You've got time. They're not super long games necessarily. Um, but 
I just sort of I sort of want to go back and do like all the post game um, content as well as some optional bosses and um, all that type of thing. But I want to keep moving. I want to move on to onto a Telia Riser too. So awesome game. Really, really loved it. Um, it really impressed me. The third game that I finished this year was actually Toem, and Toem's been on my backlog for a while too. Uh, I had a look on how long to beat, and it said about four hours. So after finishing a big long JRPG, I was like, "Fantastic! <laughs> that's what I that's what I need." So I sat down for a play session one night and uh, finished it in one sitting. And Toem, it's uh, it's wonderful. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but if you haven't. It's a black and white game when where you're basically looking to climb the mountain to experience Toem, which is this big, um, I guess, glowing crystal, <laughs> I guess, and you get a photo of it. But it's a photo-taking game with puzzle elements. So you're, you're, you catch the bus, you go to a certain area. There's lots of NPCs who give you certain tasks, uh, tasks and um, some are a bit easier than others, some are a bit obtuse. And I did actually use a guide a lot for this game just because I knew that I wanted to wrap it up in a, a sitting and I didn't want to be like scratching my head late at night trying to figure stuff out. So um, I went to each area, sort of did what I needed to do and be like, oh, what do I do next? And I just looked up a, a guide on my phone just um, quickly. So that worked for me. I don't know if that makes me um, filthy casual or not, but I don't know. I, I can't can't uh, sit here and claim that I'm hardcore number one gamer, but it, it definitely enhanced my experience. But there's a few puzzles in this which were pretty interesting and in how you could actually, uh, like you, you talk to an NPC, for example, and one like lost the, lost his dog. So you got to go and uh, find the dog and um, bring it. Well, that doesn't sound exciting at all. <laughs> it's just like a fetch quest. But like in, in between it all, it was, um, it was fun and just, taking photos of everything as you go. There's like a compendium of all of the animals as you were progressing through the game. And uh, that was um, that was fun to complete. All the uh, developers had a like a, their pet in the game. So there's plenty of cats and dogs and um, there's a monkey. And <laughs> I don't know if any of the devs had a monkey, but um, it, was, uh, it was just a great game. I'm glad that I finally got to experience it. It's been sitting on my on my um, PlayStation screen for a long time. So I'm glad that I got to sit down and experience that game. They um, There is some DLC that I didn't touch, so maybe I'll go back and play that as well. I, I would assume that wouldn't be too long, but um, yeah, I played it a part of a PlayStation Plus actually. So that was a PlayStation Plus game at one stage. So that was, um, that was really great. And um, the fourth game, which is a game I've been working on for a little while, and it's a really short game. It's called Hindsight. And I bought Hindsight on Switch... Um, late last year because when I saw it, like it's a game about hindsight, which is something that I've really been thinking about lately. And the reason I've been thinking about it is just since having my son and seeing each month just how quickly and fast he's growing, it really made me reflective of myself and my family and the future um, and just how quick time's going. And I... I think I talked about it a bit last week just with as far as doing content creation and stuff like that. This year, it's just like I've got to put my foot down and at least start because I now see how quickly time is going and it's not going to last forever and I don't want to be at the point in 10 years where I'm like, I should have started. And honestly, that is a scary um, 
scary thing to think about. So a game published by Annapurna Interactive, which especially after Stray last year, Stray was one of my favorite games last year, just a really great immersive storytelling through the environment. Um, I was all about this game, um, jumping into it. So um, playing it on Switch, I started it probably um, in between New Year's and Christmas last year. And while some aspects of the story really drew me in, ultimately I thought it was a bit of a drag to get through, even to the point where my two-hour playthrough was stretched over you know, pretty much a month, you know, <laughs> picking up here and there. I'll do like certain play sessions and I'm like, oh, I'm sick of this. So <laughs> it just sort of dragged on. But there were some, some moments of the story that really sucked me in. So the game is about a a woman who's going back to her parents' house to pack up their belong, belongings once they pass away. And you see flashbacks through certain puzzles and aspects of the game. Because the gameplay is basically, you've got like a diorama of the environment and you can use the touchscreen. This was a mobile first game, I believe, on Android and iOS, where you could, um, you know, you swipe and touch things to sort of work out the puzzle to move on. A lot of the puzzles are basically working out what to tap on and different perspectives of how to look at things. So for example... The, the main character might be holding a vase and you've got to go to the certain perspective where you can see through the vase a, a window to a different scene that progresses the game. So gameplay-wise, pretty simple. You're just moving through, there's talking um, as it's going on. The main character's sort of narrating the whole experience. And yeah, like I said, some aspects really got me, like thinking about from her perspective of what she thought about her mother, how her mother wasn't attentive. She was always at work. She missed piano recitals um, and that, you know, the opinion of her mother wasn't very high, but going through her belongings, packing things up, um, she finds out that that's far from the truth, that her mother cared deeply. And even towards the end of her life, she booked tickets to go back to Japan where she um, was born. And, they ultimately missed that opportunity because, you know, the main character, she's too busy with work, other commitments, didn't care because she thought her mother didn't care. And just the amount of hurt that she end up, she, she feels because she looks back and she can't, she, she can't control it, which was, it's heartbreaking. Um, so, you know, the story left a mark on me for sure, but there's times in between that where you're doing like, the main character, she just she decides that she loves cooking and she becomes a chef. And there's a section in the forest where you've got to, you're basically going through the forest and you're tapping on, um, you're tapping on bits of grass to reveal mushrooms. And there was a portion where I'm tapping on the grass, and I can see the mushroom, and I cannot tap the mushroom to uh, you know move on to the next story point. I'm like, come on, just the, like there was multiple times like that where it's just I'm like, come on, just move up. Honestly like a 40 minute game would have been perfect. Like just really sit there, get the story in 40 minutes, maybe just an hour or whatever. That would have been fine. Um, but to sit there for that long, I'm not too sure. It was a li- little bit too long. I feel like, cause you think about two hours, that's like a, that's like a full on movie, <laughs> but um, not sure. I'm also not sure about how long I put into the game as well, because it was spread out and there is no in-game clock. So I can't say it's two hours, but that, that's a good guess anyway. 
Um, most websites say that it's about two hours. So I can't say that I recommend it. Um, I've been keeping track of my games on GG app and um, it allows you to do a out of five stars. I gave it uh, two stars, um, but on like a heavy sale. And if you ask someone like me who who is in this type of mood where you're very reflective and you're thinking about life and all of that, I think this game might strike might strike a little bit of a chord with you. But I can't uh, I can't necessarily recommend it, um, which is sad because um, Annapurna Interactive. I think they're doing great games. Um, but this one, this one fell flat for me. So I've been talking a lot this week about sort of backlogs and all that, and that's just the mood I'm in at the moment. And it's not even necessarily tackling a backlog because I don't believe in like keeping a big list of your backlog. I think that creates anxiety and I, I think that's probably not healthy as far as, <laughs> as, far as your life goes. Um, So these are just some tips or some ideas that I've come up with to try and tackle a backlog, which is what I'm utilizing at the moment. And of course, I'd love to hear from you guys, whether it's on um, youtube.com slash Adruby in the comments of this episode, episode 242, or Twitter at twitter.com slash Adruby, twitter.com slash I don't know why I did that. Um, Um, but these, these are some ideas that I come up with as far as um, tackling them and hopefully throughout the year of 2023, I'll be able to they'll work for me and I'll be able to hit my target of 24 games um, completed. So this is one that I actually believe in and this is complete, completely up to you whether this will work for you. But personally, my first tip is don't make a list. And I know it's easy to make a list. I know, well, it's not easy, but I know that sounds like a good idea on paper. Um, But for me, I've always usually made a list at the start of the year. It's like a, I don't know, 20 something games. It's usually pretty ridiculous because there are so many great games to play on Switch, let alone whatever else you have. But I think they'll ultimately just give you anxiety and make gaming feel like a job. So for me, I'm looking at recent releases, for example, um, like Dead Space Remake comes out today. I see, um, I look to next month, I see Octopath Traveler and Kirby at the end of the month and I try to sort of organize other games I'd like to play around that. So now that I've finished Atelierizer, I would like to play probably Atelierizer 2. So I put that into my, um, my currently playing section but I don't have a big list. I don't look at like 30 games and be like, all right, I'm never going to beat this. Just play what you feel like at the time. Same with Toem. I finished a big game. So I was like, all right, let's put in a smaller game, detox a little bit before moving on to another big JRPG. So that's what I like to do for myself. Maybe make a list of maximum three games, but don't, don't give yourself a, like a year list of stuff to get through. Um, that's personally what works better for me. And uh, yeah, don't make gaming feel like a job. Next up is something that I'm a big believer in and I've been trying to do for a little while. I think I'm finally successful at that is to set up your gaming environment so you're comfortable playing. And I know a lot of us say, look, I don't have time to game. I don't have this or that to game. But I think it's, I think that's a little bit of a cop out. And that's a cop out when I say it as well. Don't, don't get me wrong. 
There are times in our life all the year that we just don't feel like playing games. You know, you come home from work, you're a little bit tired, you just want to watch something, that's fine. You've got other commitments and all that. Of course, of course. But for me, I know like I was relying on my Switch a lot more than I probably should have because a lot of the time, like the main TV in the lounge room where you know, the PlayStation, the Xbox and the Switch's dock are, um, you know, that is being used for other members of the family, watching TV and all that. And it feels selfish to take that away and play that way. But I've mentioned this before uh, the last couple of weeks, but I've really been enjoying my gaming trolley. So my t- my 42-inch TV on a trolley with the Xbox, PlayStation and Switch dock all hooked up to it. And that allows me to basically take it around the, around the house, put it in the bedroom, wherever I need to play. And it's made a big sort of difference to my gaming. I've really sort of been impressed with it. And I'll say for you guys, just sort of acknowledge of where you can fit in more game time or where you'd like to fit in more game time and get the equipment to be able to utilize that. And by that, I mean, like, obviously you probably have a Nintendo Switch. So you're able to, if you've got a, a bus trip to work or, you know, you can fit in some gaming time in your lunch break, whatever. Obviously the Switch, a handheld portable, Steam Deck, whatever have you would be perfect for that occasion. But also at home, do you want to be playing more on the TV, but you're in my position where you can't use the TV all the time. You've only got like an hour or two here or there, or you want to play violent games and you've got kids in the house and you don't exactly want them to see them or whatever. But sort of think about how you can um, use that time to game and um, use the equipment to get it. Whether it's um, start PC gaming on a, on a laptop and you can just put that on your lap or you get like a little TV monitor and you put it next to the TV or you put it on wheels like I did. I think there's a lot to that where you can actually utilize a lot more time. Um, you just got to get the setup right for you. And it's something that we don't talk about a whole lot necessarily, the actual setup. I think console gaming is pretty basic. We've all got a TV in our lounge room. You buy a console or a switch or whatever. You put it underneath it and it's good, but it might not necessarily be the best sort of situation for you to play video games. Um, and that's what I found because like Atelier Riza, like 30 hour game, I smashed it out and like, I don't know, was it a week or two? Like not even two weeks. And typically for me, that was kind of impossible, especially on PlayStation. Like it's insane. I probably put as much time into Atelier Riza as I did my all PlayStation games last year. And that's just through changing a pretty simple aspect of my gaming setup so think about what's best for you whether it is just like the switch is fine i can play it wherever in the house that's great um but yeah personally for me i wanted to play with a controller on a tv i was missing that aspect of gaming like even on switch um it's just nice to see it on the big screen um next up is sort of something that i've i'm trying to implement this year and it might not 100 work but it is don't let big games turn your way. Organize your time over weeks, months, and years. And when I say this, I, I'm referring to myself with Persona 5 Royal. And this is a game where I'm like 100 hours. I do not have 100 hours for a video game. I, you know, I can play it for three months straight and I'll have nothing. You know, I, I, I do gaming content and I want to keep up with other games and whatever have you. So I don't want to just be putting it all into one game and five years later, I still haven't played 
through Persona 5 Royal. And that's um, it's, it's frustrated me. It's been on my backlog and I've really sort of wanted to play it. So my idea for 2023 is to break it down over months. Um, so my idea is over 12 months, put 10 hours a month into the game and over the year, Persona 5 Royal will hopefully be finished. So I would say just like don't think about like the game all in one big thing. Don't look at it all 100 hours or however long the game is and go, oh, no, I'm not going not gonna to get through that. Even if it's a certain game series, just uh, break it down over a year, two years, two months, like w- whatever you feel like you need to be able to play through it, do it that way. Break it down a little bit. Like uh, I want to play through the Mass Effect series as well and I'm probably going to break down maybe after Persona. I've got to tackle that first, but I like to maybe tackle one um, Mass Effect game every year since they are bigger games. Just play them over certain periods of each month. Um, so, yeah, that's the tip there. Um, tip number four is how long, uh, use howlongtobeat.com to fit in smaller games in, be- in between longer playthroughs. And I touched on this at the start where Atelier Riser 2, um, well, Atelier Riser 1, sorry, um, now that I finished that, I'm like, all right, you know, I need a bit of a detox. I'd like to fit in some other games in the backlog. So stuff like Tolem, Hindsight, you know, I looked up on that website, How Long to Beat, and it's not four hours. Perfect. That's a that's a nice, meaty play session. Get through the game, roll credits, um, and really enjoy the game. I actually got the Platinum Trophy on Tolem too um, through, uh, you know, using the guide as well. So I would say that just like, sort of mix up different gameplay experiences and lengths so you're not just like, all right, doing a big, long JRPG. Let's move on to the next big, long JRPG and, you know, just sort of, um, you know, lose steam a little bit because, you know, need some variety in your life. (laughs) And uh, the last one is just list and rank the games as you finish them. And this is what I'm doing on the GG app. Um, You can follow them on Twitter, the GG app. It's just, it's an app on your phone where you can, review games, rank, make lists. Um, You can follow one another and, you know, just all of that fun stuff. And um, I've had the app for a while, but I haven't really utilized it all that much. But now in 2023, when I'm really trying to tackle more games, um, I'm going to utilize it a lot more. And I'm making a list on there where I'm putting down reviews for all of the games that I'm doing, keeping a list and also ranking them as I go. So when we get to the end of the year, when it's like game of the year discussions, I can just look at it and be like, all right, this is at the time of playing. This is where I ranked the game. And I'm looking forward to, um, I guess, being able to really utilize um, that to help me towards the end of the year if I'm actually being playing a few more games. So they're my tips. They're my strategies of myself tackling the backlog let me know what you guys think, uh, if they're good tips, if they'll work for you, or if you've got some other suggestions that you think will help me because I need all the help I can get, my friends. So, <laughs> so yeah. All right, guys, let's move on to the news. So not too much has happened this week, but a couple of interesting tidbits that I thought we should talk about. This article is from gamesindustry.biz titled, Nintendo reportedly planning to increase Switch production in 2023. The article reads, Nintendo is reportedly planning to ramp up Switch production in its next physical year. Sources close to the matter told Bloomberg that the platform holder has already told suppliers and assembler partners um, it expects to manufacture more units of its console than in the uh, current financial year. 
It has not told partners of a, a specific target. Back in November, Nintendo lowered its forecast from 21 million units shipped in the 12 months ending March uh, 30th, 2023, to 19 million. However, Bloomberg sources claim Nintendo is on the course to hit its original target. The um, revision was due to the ongoing um, uh, issues securing components, particularly semiconductors for Nintendo Switch, but the company now believes those issues to be resolved. So um, I, I guess why this is, I guess, notable is, you know, the Switch is coming to the point of it in its life where we are sort of, sort of a little bit just, you know, having a bit of a look over the fence, but like, yeah, you got something else over there, mate? You got, um, you got some, uh, something cooking over there, Nintendo? You got, uh, you got a Switch Pro or a Switch 2, you got a Super Switch. Well, what we're we dealing with here? And I think it's made pretty obvious that, Nintendo in 2023 aren't going to have a brand new console. We've talked about it previous episodes. Um, and while that's, um, you know, for me, it's a little bit of a shame. It, it makes a lot of sense just considering how many Nintendo are still able to sell. We've got plenty of games coming to the platform um, throughout the rest of the year. And for me, I, I just want to, you know, remind you guys, the Switch is getting old. And it's in, it's coming into its last legs, and it's been a wonderful platform to play games on over the last six years. And I just want to, you know, let you guys know that enjoy it while um while it's still the current the current system, because for me it's easy to lose sight of just how wonderful the Switch is, because we are sort of desiring a little bit more power to you know play some of the games that we'd like to play. You know, Nintendo games typically, that, that they'll run fine, um, but the third-party games now are becoming pretty, well, pretty pretty vague, really. They're not really they're not really coming out at all, really, apart from the indie games. And I'd like to see more of that, personally. Like, a bit more power. Like, I don't know. I'm the type of person that would literally buy a $2,000 <laughs> Nintendo handheld. Like, I really would. I was looking at the... Um, Oh, what was it called? There's a there's another handheld PC coming out. Uh, the Nio, no, what's it called? Nio Neo. I forgot its name. It's something like that. Anyway, it's the Nio Neo uh, Two. It's like a two thousand dollar PC portable, um, but it looks awesome. Like uh, I really would like one. And I think probably in the position I was last year, where I wanted to play games like Cyberpunk, and um, I don't know other third-party games on a portable. I think I would have, but now, like with this uh, TV that I would just push around the house, I actually don't have a need for it, especially for $2,000. <laughs> so, yeah, just a reminder, enjoy your Switch. There's plenty of games coming out and we'll get more power one day down the track. Uh, next up, this is from Vooks.net, a new patent trademark point to Nintendogs returning, but for mobile. The article reads... Ah, Nintendogs. Now, there's a name that we haven't heard in a while. The mega franchise was last seen with Nintendogs plus cats on the Nintendo 3DS, where it didn't quite hit as hard as it did on DS. Now, it looks like maybe possibly Nintendo is doing something with it again. During the week, a new patent was released from the United States Patent and Trademark Office suggests something may be happening. While it doesn't say new Nintendogs, it does have some illustrations showing a user using their smartphone to place a dog in a AR space. 
These uh, patents are usually very broad and general, so Nintendo could have just used a dog because uh, that's what the person creating the, uh, the patent wanted. Um, the next part is where it gets interesting. On the same day, the patent was filed uh, was filed with the U.S. state's government. A trademark, Nintendogs, was filed here in Australia. Both of them were filed on November 5th, 2021. This trademark was spotted by Vooks Oliver Brandt over on news.com.au. Um, this capitalized Nintendogs is different from the existing Nintendogs and Nintendogs plus Cats trademark. The newer trademark is slightly different from the latter with the with them being class 9 and 41 trademarks. The newer one is just class 41, um, a game services provided online from a computer network. Class 9 trademarks uh, specifically are video games. This is possible that this uh, that this new Nintendogs, if it does exist, isn't classified as a game and more of a video game pet simulator, uh, especially as it's now on mobile. So this is interesting and... Um, <laughs> It's funny because a couple of, I don't know why, I can't remember. I must have been listening to a podcast or something that brought it up. But I was I was thinking to myself, like, if I can find a copy of Nintendogs plus Cats, I might actually get it and play it. Because back in the day, I loved Nintendogs so much. Like me and all of my friends, uh, we all had our DSs and we all really got into Nintendogs. We all had our copy. I had the Dash Hound version. You remember there's different versions that you could pick up and we were playing together. We'd go on walks every day. We'd do the obedience trials to level up, do all the things you need to do, at least bath at least once a day. Um, it was a lot of fun. We always used to do like the connectivity, go on walks together. But um, honestly, one of my favorite gaming memories is unlocking the Jack Russell in Nintendogs. And for those that don't know, which uh, might be a lot of you. I don't know how how many uh, <laughs> in-depth Nintendogs players are listening to this, but there was a there was a really rare item in the games called the Dash. No, no, called the Jack Russell Care Book, and this was a certain item that dropped randomly on walks when you took your dogs for walks, and your dog needed really high stamina to be able to find this book. So lots of gr- walking and grinding and all of that. Um, and, and luck, I eventually found the Jack Russell care book. Once you find this item, you unlock them, you can buy them from the kennel. And in the game, you can send your dogs and give gifts to other players. And I, I gave the Jack Russell care book around to all my friends. They all unlocked Jack Russell's and it was just really nice. We all had our you know, separate dogs. We all got Jack Russell's, we all taking them for walks together and all of that. And the Jack Russell to me is just like my favorite animal in the whole world. I love them very much. And um, being able to have them in the game was awesome. And just the fact that they were the rarest dog also made it very special. So I've got a very soft spot for Nintendogs in my heart. At 28 years old, do I need to be playing it? Not necessarily. But you can say that for Pokemon, Mario, etc., etc. I guess. But this is maybe a little bit more basic. <laughs> so I, I did kind of feel the inkling to be like, oh, I wouldn't mind playing Nintendogs and I was in Adelaide and I went to um, a retro gaming store and I saw it. It was like 50 bucks for a secondhand copy. And I thought to myself, no, no, I'm not, I'm not that keen. I was thinking maybe 20 bucks because EB games and all that were clearing these games out. Like there was no tomorrow when 3DS was going out of print. 
So I missed my chance there, but if it's coming to mobile, I'll be quite happy to give this a go, to be honest with you. I want to tickle that nostalgia bone, but I've, I've got itching. It's itchy and I've got to scratch it. So I'll be quite happy to see Nintendogs pop up on mobile, even if it is just like a little AR experience that gives me 20 minutes of, ah, that was a nice little nostalgic um, moment. Next up, this is an article from My Nintendo News and it's titled, It Seems Fire Emblem Engage Wrapped Up Production Back in 2021. The article reads, We published a post yesterday which implied that Nintendo and Intelligent Systems were sitting on another Fire Emblem game. The news came out as the internal codenames for the Fire Emblem projects were shared on social media. Fire Emblem Three Houses was known as Iron uh, 17 and Fire Emblem Engage was known as Iron 19. There had been discussions that Iron 18 would be and it wasn't the code name for the Warriors spin-off Fire Emblem Three Hopes. It now emerged that Fire Emblem Engage wrapped up production back in 2021, uh, though it was finally released in January, Jan- January 2023. Uh, this information has come via the Australian Classifications Board and the USK in Germany. This is leading to more speculation that there is another Fire Emblem game in the midst of development at Intelligent Systems, which is thought to be a remake of Fire Emblem uh, Genealogy. Genealogy. Which one's that one? Not sure. I'm not a Fire Emblem expert. I actually don't know which that one is, but that'd be cool. So, yeah, interesting that there's um, that this game was sitting on ice for a long time and through the rumours and the leaks and whatever you want to classify them as. We sort of heard about this, that there's been a Fire Emblem game just sitting around waiting to come out. And it's interesting that it's been sitting on ice for that long. And uh, I wouldn't even say that last year there was that many games where it couldn't have come out. We had, maybe they just wanted to space out Fire Emblem Warriors a little bit more, or they wanted to have a bit more space between Fire Emblem Three Houses. Not quite sure, but... Regardless, I think uh, January was actually a great time for it to come out, you know, away from Zelda, away from a lot of other big games as well. It's just like a a nice place to put a strategy RPG. The type of people that want to play it will play it. And um, there's also not much else going on. So people might be attracted to to the game just because, you know, there's not a whole lot um, going on, especially on Switch at the moment. I put this in because this is really strange. I don't play Pokemon Unite much anymore. I would, uh, I would actually like to play it again. I have a lot of fun with it, to be honest. Um, but Confi is uh, coming to the game. Confei. And uh, Confei is <laughs> like the flower headband from like the Alola region. So really strange. I, I'm quite interested to see how it works in the game. So I'm just going to read this from Nintendo Life. The online monster battler Pokemon Unite has con- uh, consistently been up expanding its roster of fighters ever since its launch back in 2021. And this looks to continue into 2023. Confei um, has uh, has today been announced as the year's first edition and will be available in the game on the 2nd of February. This news is shared from Pokemon Unite's Twitter account, though there was very little information given about the fighter itself, simply giving making the announcement that it was coming and providing the release date. So really interested to see how this thing works because... When you think about um, the MOBA Pokemon Unite, you think like obviously there's Snorlax and Garchomp, Pikachu's in there. Like these, uh, these Pokemon that you, know, you can see them being just walking around. But this thing, yeah, it'd be, it'd be just fascinating to see what it looks like and what role it's going to play. I guess it'll be like a supporter of some sort. But yeah, interested to see. 
Last up on the news, this is just um, some some reading. If you guys are interested, go and check it out. But uh, VGC conducted an interview um, with a, a member of Game Freak about Pocket Card Jockey uh, coming to Apple Arcade. And I just want to bring out some tidbits of the interview um, talking about the closure of the 3DS eShop and how Game Freak sort of sees its... Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's making of original IP, which is, which is interesting because they've had sort of a great sort of track record of making IP and not every single one has necessarily hit, but it's, it's interesting to see. So throughout the article, they, they sort of touch on like the idea of pocket card jockey and I've got it downloaded on my phone. I haven't touched it just yet, but it originally came to, um, mobile in Japan exclusively, and it was a it was a free to play game, and they they mentioned that it was sort of difficult to make the game to free to play and balance the game with microtransactions and that. So they were actually really happy to make the game on Apple Arcade, so they don't have to worry about that, and they get their kickback through royalties on the Apple Arcade. So go and check that out. It's on VGC um, titled "Interview Game Freak on Bringing Its Cult Classic." Um, cult classic pocket card jockey to Apple Arcade. So let's move into what we got, the red coin releases. And before then, we just got some new, new announcements for games coming to Nintendo Switch. First of all, we got SteamWorld Build, which is coming to Nintendo Switch later this year from Thunderful Games. And the SteamWorld games, they've had a deep relationship with Nintendo in the past. All of their titles coming to it. I really enjoyed SteamWorld Dig, SteamWorld um, Dig 2, uh, what am I thinking of? There's uh, I played I played them all. I forgot the turn-based one. <laughs> I forgot the name. <laughs> it's lost my brain. Um, but I'm looking forward to this. It says City Builder, and typically for me, I've never really sat down with a City Builder before. So I think I'm going to make make this like my first City Builder game. To try and get into the series, see what it's all about. Just um, they're just great developers. So I'd like to sit down and sit down and check it out. Um, there's a demo on Steam at the moment and we'll see where I play it eventually. I think I think probably Steam might be the place to play it, just, you know, mouse and keyboard for a city building game. But um, hopefully it um, runs well on Switch. That's the next thing. Um, but fingers crossed because it would be cool to have that on Switch. Uh, next up, we got the Life is Strange 2 coming to Switch. So we got Life is Strange, Life is Strange Before the Storm, and Life is Strange True Colors on Switch, but now we've got Life is Strange 2 coming to the Switch, um, and it's coming out the 2nd of February as well, so not too long to wait. So if you've been waiting to finish up the, I guess, the, the middle series of, of uh, games on Switch, um, now's your opportunity when it comes out. I actually haven't played Life is Strange 2, so maybe it's a good opportunity for that. Um, um, yeah, I don't know, I just missed it. I think... Uh, I really appreciated that True Colors just released all at once, all on cartridge or all on disc. Whereas like Life is Strange 2, they were still doing that release over time thing. And by the time the last episode comes out, I've sort of, I've sort of already you know forgotten about it a little bit. Let's move into the Red Coin releases. See what's come out this week. It's been a bit of a quiet week, so we'll see how these releases go. So first up is Onion Assault for 12 bucks. The evil empire is trying to conquer <laughs> Onion Onia. Un- onion Ear. Onina. 
And that's, uh, doesn't roll off the tongue. And it's up to one brave onion farmer and his mom to stop the a tyrannical invading, invading fascist army. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Damn fascists. Uh, classic old school platforming action from the creator of Gunman Clive um, defeats the evil army by throwing onions or lifting and throwing enemies. Old school gameplay inspired by 18-bit classics. Full 3D graphics with a unique art style and custom engine. 16 levels with a huge variety of different environments, obstacles and enemies in a giant boss. Uh, and giant bosses. <laughs> and just one boss. You've only got one boss. So I just bring this up mainly because I really enjoyed Gunman, Gunman Clive 1 and 2 on the Nintendo 3DS. It's sort of one of those real cheap uh, games on the 3DS that I really enjoyed. Digital only. It was only there for a long time. I believe there's a collection on Switch now. But they were just fun games where you're going around as a cowboy, platforming, and you've got a you've got a gun that was kind of fun just to line up headshots and um, all of that. So just the idea that the developers got a brand new game out. It's 12 bucks. I thought it was worth shouting out. It's also a bit of a homage to uh, Mario Bros. 2, where you're, like, you're picking up items from the ground, like turnips, um, and that's pretty much what you're doing in this game. So interesting. I'd like to check it out. We'll see how it goes. I've got to, um, I've got a bit of my backlog. I don't really want to add anything to it at the moment. And I've only picked out one more game this week because it is pretty scarce, and that's Wonder Boy Anniversary Co Collection for 75 bucks. So pretty pricey, but if you're into the Wonder Boy games, this is probably for you. So there has never been a Wonder Boy collection quite like this, featuring 21 versions of six of the most iconic Wonder Boy games ever released. This incredible compilation brings Sega's influ influential uh, platformer series to today's hardware with expert ports of some of the most important platformers from the 1980s and the 1990s. Wonder Boy Anniversary Collection offers an enough classic gameplay to keep even the most experienced retro gamers busy for a monolithin for a for monolithin I don't know what that is is that a place in the game bringing together all 21 versions of six of the most celebrated games from Sega's iconic platforming series this comprehensive collection offers the most ambitious continuum um, of Wonder Boy games ever released continuum sorry so Wonder Boy I've yeah, I haven't... Was there a Wonder Boy game at the launch of the Switch? I feel like I played it. But I don't have too much f uh, familiarity with uh, with the series. But if it's something you enjoyed back on the Sega consoles or even um, recently on Switch, probably worth picking up. But yeah, for me, it's a, it's a no for me. But it's, not, it's none of the shovelware that came out this week anyway. So yeah, that's what I've got this week as far as the Red Coin recommendations. Let me know... What do you think? Any that I missed? Probably. So that wraps up the show, guys. I want to thank you guys very much for listening to episode 242 of the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast. Appreciate your time listening to this far in the show. So let's test your Nintendo knowledge to see how knowledgeable you are. So I've got some sound effects. I'm going to play them, and you're going to let me know what game they're from in the YouTube comments on the video, episode 242. Or you can just uh, at me at Twitter, at iDruby. So these are the sound effects. Do you know what game they're from?
Who knows? It might be a relevant game this week, but we'll never know. You might know. Let me know. <laughs> you can also join our Discord community. There's a link in the show notes. Feel free to come in, check out the Fantasy Critic League, all of that fun stuff. And also, if you'd like to support us more, support on patreon.com slash idruby, where you can get exclusive podcasts, such as heaps good that I do with my good friend Josh of Nintendvania. Whereas this week, we went through our Fantasy Critic League and went through all the games we all chose, and that's free for this week. So go and check that out. But until next time, guys, the doors to the house of Mario, they're closed. I'll catch you later.